In episode 62 of the Whiskey and Things podcast, we'll be sipping on the Chivas Regal XV, or 15-year-old blended Scotch whiskey. And joining us to talk blended Scotch whiskey, we have Chivas Regal brand ambassador, David Robinson. As with every week, you can find some more whiskey content, images, videos, and all that malarkey on our social media platforms, at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram, and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget to give us a rating or a review on your favourite podcast platform. Cheers. You're listening to Whiskey and Things with Nick Kent and Dave Giles. Welcome to episode 62. I am Dave Giles. And I'm Nick Kent. Welcome, everyone. Hey, Nick, I got a bone to pick with you, mate. Pick on, my friend. Pick on. Right. I, well, I distinctly said to you, I'm not sure we should get Danny Graffard last week. <laughs> okay, you do this. I'm not being responsible for the, the Danny Graff backlash. Okay, go ahead. What do you want? I, I know what you're going to say. I've seen the figures, Dave. I've seen the figures. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've lost our Chinese audience, mate. We were loving the They've Chinese gone. wave. We were riding the Chinese wave. The day we posted that Danny Graff was on, it's gone. gone. Like, back to old time numbers. <laughs> which, which is still lovely numbers. Everyone who's listening is still lovely. Lovely numbers. Thank but you very much for listening. Because of Danny, we lost everyone. <laughs> Not everyone. We lost a lot of people. It's basically AD and, yeah, after Danny and before Danny. So, uh, <laughs> A-D. Oh, B-D. B-D. <laughs> we had a great wave. B-D. B-D. <laughs> I love you, Danny. And I, it was one of my favourite episodes last week. I had, a real, I had a fun time if you won. But, uh, don't know, didn't hit the Chinese audience for some didn't reason. Didn't hit the Chinese audience. Yeah. But anyway. this week, hopefully, we'll... Uh, <laughs> we'll bring them we'll back. Try again. We'll try we'll again. We'll win them back. Yes. <laughs> so we got um, we got a ep- great episode today, and another great episode in a couple of weeks. We're kind of doing a bit of a two parter because um, we've got David Robinson on the show today, who's the brand ambassador for just, just just for those of you who who like me uh, are excited right now. It's not the basketball player. Sorry, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I didn't watch basketball in the nineties. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, mate, you didn't have his basketball card. God. No, sorry. But anyway, um, this David Robinson... San Antonio Spurs, mate. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> David Robinson I bumped into in Manchester a few weeks ago, making him one of three of our whiskey friends. I've actually met him in real life since nice. we've started this. Um, he is a brand ambassador for Pernod Ricard. Engage. And... Um, <laughs> So he looks after like Glenlivet and Chivas Regal, etc. So uh, we haven't had anyone on talking about blends yet. So we thought it'd be fun to have him on the show. And thankfully he still said yes after, as you'll hear, the very embarrassing, for me, first encounter with him, bumping into him in Manchester. Um, he still came on the show, which is yeah. good. So he came on for a little chat. and he This guy's gave... great. You're going to love it. You're going to yeah. love it. He sent us a bunch, he sent us like three samples. In fact, I met up with him again. It's weird meeting people in real life, Dave. I'm not used to it. <laughs> but um, we're going to talk about uh, one today. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to finish, uh, we're going to finish up our interview in a, and talk about a couple more. But for today, let's, uh, let's go straight into it. Let's um, cut now to an interview with David Robinson of Shivers Regal. David Robinson, welcome to Whiskey and Things podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, very, well. 
David, I'm just just going to let you know I'm really disappointed. Talk oh. to me. Well, Nick said we had David Robinson coming on, and I thought he meant the old NBA basketball player. Nah, he's busy, man. He's too busy. He got me instead. Sorry. <laughs> well, I guess you'll do. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were the old NBA basketball player. I'm five foot. I'm five foot seven, man. If I find myself on a court, I swear to God, I won't be doing too much. Huh? <laughs> That's what I thought. Because, like, you know, this is actually really nice. Because you're actually like someone in the whiskey industry that I've actually met in this. You know, this is crazy. Because, um, yeah, a few weeks ago, I was out doing some Instagram photography of a few bottles, etc. And I spotted someone. I thought, I know, I, I recognise that person. And I, your name couldn't come to my head because we hadn't met ever. I, you know, I just watched some of your um, presentations on the whiskey show and all that kind of thing. And I said, I never kept. And we were walking across a bridge, we were crossing paths, and I was just like, You're the whiskey guy. <laughs> <laughs> whiskey guy. Yeah. He's whiskey yeah. famous. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can, I can honestly say that was the first time that's ever happened to me. I did not know how to handle the situation. <laughs> I didn't know how to handle it because I wasn't used to actually meeting people in real life at that point. So my, you know, I couldn't actually talk, you know, out in the open, as it were. And I told you about the podcast and stuff. And because I was out, I had like a, a bag full of whiskey. <laughs> and I felt like I needed to prove to you that I was legit. I wasn't just making it up. So, so I unzipped this bag and it was like the scene, the scene in Pulp Fiction. So I had like four different whiskeys in there. Listen, man, round, round that Castlefield area, man, you never know, to be fair. So I'm glad <laughs> there was that moment when it just happened. I was like, that, that's the one. But no, it was, it, was such a, it was such a chance meeting, wasn't it? It was literally, as you say it, it was just crossing the bridge, yeah. same time. It was sort of a, it's almost, it's, almost, it's almost like a Meg Ryan movie or something. Our eyes caught across the bridge. And <laughs> yeah. There's that little bit in between. And it was just like that whole thing between the whiskey guys, you say. And like you say, from uh, then on, chatting me about the podcast and stuff. And uh, yeah, and it's, yeah. Um, and uh, I think we've uh, I think we've flourished ever since, to be fair. And yes, now we and finally so, find ourselves here, don't we? Yes, thank you. Yes, I was going to say, yeah, it's nice for you to come on after after that weird weird encounter on my part, anyway. But uh, <laughs> yes, anyway, um, we're going to find out a bit about you and Shivers in a little bit. But while we're having a chat, we're going to actually sip on the Shivers Regal XV, which you've been kind enough to send us, among with some other whiskeys as well. But this is the 15-year-old, so we're going to have a little pour of this, and we're going to have a little bit of a chat Let's about that in a little bit. Ting, ting, ting. Ting, ting. The sound of uh, glasses getting filled with whiskey. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, while we're sipping on this, why don't you kind of fill us in a little bit on your whiskey origin story? Uh, what first sparked your interest in whiskey and how did you find yourself representing a few of the Perno Ricard brands, essentially? It's one of those, it's like, I think you chat to any ambassador and they've got this sort of, uh, you know, this sort of origin story like we spoke about before where it never really starts it always starts a little bit unexpectedly. So I found myself working in bars when I went to uh, university in Glasgow and, um, you know, just had this affiliation. I, I knew of scotch. I knew of whiskey. I was, when I was a bit younger, first starting out drinking, I was very much on the line of American whiskey, a little bit sweeter, more of a sweet tooth, more of that caramel sort of thing. You know, trying to be that guy at the bar. Like, yeah, I'll have this neat, having a sip and going, yeah, just add like a load of ice and a load of Coke, please, and I'll, uh, I'll be on my way. Um, but yeah, it was that first affiliation of really having Scotch whiskey in front of me. And there was two ways, uh, guys, when I was on the bar, uh, it was 2014, 15, I was a brand new bartender, two ways to enjoy your whiskey, neat and wrong. That's it. <laughs> that, that, that was, that was the populace. That, that's literally what you got. Like any suggestion that you add ice or water or anything like that becomes now nah, how dare you sort of thing. So I sort of came with this sort of thing of like, you know, oh yeah, that's just the way to do it. 
Now, I finished my career, uh, so I finished my uni career, went to Australia for a bit of traveling, worked in Melbourne for a while, uh, 1806. And it was there when I first got this deep dive into actually, you know, just forget everything you've learned about, you know, it can only be done one way. Try this, try penicillin straight away. And that's it. So it's changed, changed my work, changed my life forever. Do you know what I mean? I got into smoky whiskey more than anything else from the get go. Find myself very firmly on Spaceside Highland at the moment. But just that affiliation, this brand new world just getting opened up ever more, ever more than it was. I was actually living there, which is a bit of a, a crazy time. Coming back here, came back in 2018, uh, did a bit of work around, a little bit of consultancy here, there, a bit of bar management, a couple of other jobs. And then the call came uh, in 2019 to join Pernod Ricard. So I didn't start on whiskey, started on uh, absolute vodka, did gin for a while. And now find myself on uh, what I think is my, I think I've, I think I've come home basically. I think I've, I think I've found my calling, so to speak, on, a, yeah. on, Scotch, on the Scotch whiskey portfolio. And it's a great portfolio to work with, you know? Yeah, I bet. So I did working in vodka, et cetera. Does that help you in the whiskey side of things as well, having that kind of know-how? It does because, you know, you're looking at, you know, what is a spirit? You know, what, what is it? Where does it, you know, what sort of sinews and nuances are you actually looking at at its core, you know, premise of a spirit? Mm. You know, like just going to a neutral grain spirit, you know, bring it down, bring it down to uh, bottom percentage, permanent office vodka. That might be the chat about it. But once you actually start looking into what vodka is, you start to realize all these different, you know, concepts. And when you take that and that knowledge onto a whiskey, for example, it really opens up uh, Pandora's box in some really interesting ways. So I think it definitely has helped. And even just, you know, chatting to people, you know, finding your rhythm. You've got to find out who you are as an ambassador as well. You know, it's all well and good getting the, uh, you know, getting the, the brand's marketing releases each year and, you know, this is what our brand strategy is and that kind of thing. But until you find your voice, you're not getting anywhere, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what sets you apart. That's, I'd not even thought about that before. We've obviously spoken to a number of brand ambassadors now and it's not just about talking off the hymn sheet, is it? If it was just that, then it would be pretty dull. It would be a dull world, the whiskey world, wouldn't it? But actually everyone's got their own personality spin presentation techniques and uh yeah it makes it makes the world a lot more interesting 100 percent, yeah and that, that's what it is because i always look at it in terms of bartenders like think of like I, I very much put myself still in that world that's where i learned my trade that's where i learned what i do that's where i learned drinks mm. how to mix them each bartender is different you know yeah. what i mean no but the only the only him uh, sheet that a bartender reads off is their core menu but they'll do you a twist on a cocktail you know they'll do something different they'll recommend you some maybe top shelf that you might not try before, that's them putting their personality into it. So I don't think a brand ambassador should be any different. Of course, there's calls you've got to hit and there's little marketing things you've got to hit and that's all well and good. But, you know, that, you know I, think, I think it's just a summit that's, um, and I think all the ambassadors that I've known today do that very, very well as well in their own way. So you do a lot of the cocktail mixing and stuff, don't you, for the presentations and stuff? Um, do you yeah. come up with those recipes yourself or does someone up higher or either maybe attached to something, some other brand or something say, can we mix this in with there as well? See if you can make it work. How does that work? It does happen. But you know what's great, Nick, at the moment about uh, Scotch whiskey in particular, it is a shift of conversation. So these new drinks that we're making and these new, um, these new cocktails coming out with, there's a very big open blank canvas to really work off. You know, the, the, the sort of key scenario takeaways, we want to taste the whiskey, right? Stuff goes into, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into making this, whether it's a blend we're going to talk about today or whether it's a single malt, whether it's a blended malt, whether it's a grain whiskey, whether it's a you know, blended grain whiskey. So much goes into that process that we want to sort of celebrate that in the right way. But you've got such a great sounding board to go off. So the cocktails that I've presented uh, in the past in some of my trainings, some of them might be 
quite simple twists, you know. Um, I think we did the highball, didn't we, at the, at, uh, the whiskey show. We very much yeah. looked at breaking that down, uh, why we want that to be a key serve and why we want to celebrate that as a serve. But other things as well, which, I mean, I did a, <laughs> I, you know, I, I do the Glenlivet as well. And I, I did a swizzle with the Glenlivet Caribbean Reserve the other week, you know, velvet for learning, grapefruit juice, pineapple juice. You know, why, why not? That's, that's my full approach to it is why not? Try it. If it doesn't work, you know what? It doesn't work. What's you know, a swizzle? A swizzle, like an old sort of uh, buying tiki drink. So you get some velvet flonum in there usually, usually a bit of lime juice and you get a little bit of pineapple juice and your rum. Okay. Like, you know, really nice sort of, um, a nice sort of rum with a really nice ester to it. Get it into a glass, maybe a tiki mug, load of crushed ice, get a swizzle stick. You might have seen it. They were just sort of doing that and sort of twisting it down, top it with ice, send it on its way, stick an umbrella in it, a little spark if you want to, flamingo, up to you, don't care, it's tiki in it, <laughs> and just fire it off its way. But that's just my approach to it, you know, if, if, if it works, it works. When we do like, you know, drinks lists and that sort of thing, we obviously check and make sure everything is, you know, accessible for people. We don't want to scare anybody off, but mm. we also want to invite people in to do their own thing as well. Yeah. Um, just, just going back to the highball, Explain, some listeners may never have had a highball. They may have heard the term highball. And this is what I was like at the whiskey show, actually. I'd heard the term highball. People were talking about it. And I missed your presentation. But I was hearing people talk about it in other other things. I was late. I was a late star at the whiskey show. I was busy that weekend, so I joined later. Um, what is the core ingredients of a highball? Because it's talked about a lot. And it is great, but but it's quite simple as well. So it does tend to vary a lot from what I've seen as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, a highball, I, I'm drinking this, this, this is a pineapple soda with the one of the whiskeys we'll talk about later on. But um, essentially what you're looking at, if you want to break it down to its core elements, is two ingredients. You've got your whiskey, you've got your soda, your carbonated water. But if you want to break it down even further, guys, your ice is an ingredient, your glass is an ingredient as well. Mm. We, can even, we can even really say temperature, you know, in mm. itself is an ingredient because we want all these elements to be right. And this is about as, uh, you know, uh, you know, cut and dry, I get with this sort of thing. We want this stuff to be right. You know, you can, anyone can put whiskey into a glass and top it with soda and have a highball. You get a great drink, don't get me wrong. But if you do all these elements right, you know, if you chill your soda first, you know, if you avoid the ice when you're putting it in there, if you've got a nice sort of spear of ice all the way down, you allow those bubbles to get up, you get an unbelievable drink. Because what you're really doing is pulling all those flavors all the way to the top. And you're just getting a great, great rounded drink. We do a lot of tastings with soda as well. You know, we do um, side-by-side tastings, especially with great with, um, with blends. We'll taste with water. We'll taste with a little bit of soda as well. So people can really see how it unlocks that character and all those different malts and all those different grains that are actually in there. Um, but yes, as, as, that's quite a long answer to the question, Dave, I know. But so yeah. <laughs> Whiskey, whiskey and soda, but ice as well, and the glass, if you want to really go into it. Oh, yeah, there's a science of mixology. Hey, that's the real winner here, my friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whiskey! Shivers Regal's a name everyone sees, like, I always see it in every bar. I went to China a few years ago, and Shivers was the main whiskey I saw absolutely everywhere. Like, like it's like the humble beginnings, didn't it? Like, back in the day. Wasn't it like a, one of the grocery store kind of brands? Is that where it started? Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right, Nick. It's, um, it's that story. And, you know, we go back, obviously, and, you know, I'll chat about Shivers, but we owe all these pioneers of, you know, blending that sort of same credit. You know, you've got your John Walker mm-hmm. of the world, you know, uh, you've got your, you your Ballantines. And this is the thing with this. It's starting from those elements of, like you say, starting in Emporium, starting being grocers. The main concept that comes in is this idea of blending teas. 
So the way I always sort of explain it to people to really bring it to life with whiskey is this concept that, say, for example, um, guys, we all, we all own a shop, right? We all own a shop in the 1800s. We specialize in getting new goods out to people. We've got a big shipment of Lapsang Sushong, like big smoky Japanese tea, a lot of balls to it. Now we're, t- now we're talking. Now we're talking, right? <laughs> Dave loves a tea. Dave's into his- Dave sells his own oh, tea. Dave, yeah. we'll, have a se- we'll have a separate conversation about this yeah. another time, my friend, because yeah, I think absolutely. we could talk hours about this. Yeah. But this is the thing. So remember, like, we're, we're in this business together, guys, and we've got some Lapsang Sushong, and we've got a market, maybe one market, who absolutely love it. You know, we've nailed the, let's call it the Glasgow market, for example, right? The Edinburgh market, not so keen on our products. Birmingham, mm-hmm. not so keen. Manchester, nah. London, not really. Now, we've got a big stock of this that just isn't really going anywhere. We've got this one market to sell it to, but fine. But what if we brought in some different teas? We brought some Assam in, we brought some different elements, some a bit fruitier, a bit lighter. And what we did is we found out what the Edinburgh palette was about, the Birmingham palette, the Manchester palette, the London palette. We found out what all those flavor profiles were about, and we made them their own blend. Okay? So a little bit more smoky for Glasgow, a little bit less smoky for Edinburgh, with a bit more fruitiness to it, you know, a bit more of that sort of sharp angle coming on when you come down to Manchester. The same concept is put into whiskies, and the Shivers Brothers were the exact same. Basically getting in whiskies, uh, largely from the space side region, being quite mm-hmm. up there in uh, Aberdeenshire. So when we talk about Shivers uh, 12, for example, you know, we see a big presence of space side whiskies in there because we want to keep that as close to, you know, the origin as we can do because that's what was available at the time. You know, it's hard to access at this time. And, you know, we see this legislation coming in the 1860s that you can actually start to blend these elements together. You can blend, you know, grain whiskies, you can blend malts together and you can create this product. You can create a Glasgow blend, you can create an Edinburgh blend, a Manchester blend, a Birmingham blend, a London blend. And like I say, it's not just Shivers doing this, like the Shivers Brothers, but these pioneers of blending and bringing this product together is where this really comes out. What separates Shivers Brothers apart for me is two things realistically we've got evidence that the guys were actually aging these blends and actually right. putting some age to them in the back you know we see you know casks in the cellars you know the actual first release of shivers regal itself happens in 1909 in new york and that's a 25 year old blended scotch whiskey 25 year old at 19, 1909 wow. immature spirits that don't come until 15 16 do you know what i mean this is mm. way before anyone says you have to blend uh, sorry age for that long and the other thing as well puts us back is getting awarded the royal warrant as well to supply Balmoral Castle. Obviously, we see uh, Philoxera uh, take away the grapevines of Europe. Obviously, the drink of the upper class at the time, those clarets, those brandies, those cognacs, they're gone. The Shivers Brothers were associated, of course, with this almost royalty um, supplying Queen Victoria. Immediately, what they want is something else to surpass that. They want blended Scotch whiskey. And the favorite drink at the time as well, being those sort of brandy and sodas, this is where we start to see that highball element coming in. Blended Scotch whiskey with a bit of soda. So that for me is where that Shiver story really sort of sets itself alight, you know? But again, make no mistake, it's all about those pioneers, those blenders, you know? Yeah, I didn't know any of that. That was great. Wow. Yeah, because it's nice that they've, yeah, as you said, it was blending kind of for a different market. Like Johnny Walker, I think he just started blending because he just didn't find what he wanted, I think. You know, it was to his taste rather than actually blending for other people. It breaks down the element, doesn't it? You know, we we talk about blends and... um, in quite a great way. And we'll come on to this in a second, I'm sure boys, but, um, you know, we want to create something greater than some of the parts, you know, we've got great malt whiskies. We've got great grain whiskies. I love grain whiskey, like single grain. I think it's great. I think it's really interesting, but you want to bring all these together to create something you just wouldn't get anywhere else. You know, your distillery's putting out, you know, your single malt distillery's putting out great whiskey. Great. Let's take some of that. Let's take some else. Let's take some grain. Let's make something even better. Why not? Yeah. That's grain yeah. whiskey in a nutshell. 
Sorry, blend, blend, blended Scotch in a nutshell. Thank you, pardon. <laughs> yes, let's talk about the B word then. Is there still a stigma kind of behind it? Um, because I, we learned recently that um, single malt whiskey didn't really become a thing until around the 60s, I think it was. Not like 200 years ago or something like that. So when did it actually start that people were like thinking our blended whiskies weren't as good as the single malts, et cetera. And is that, I'm guessing that is turning around a bit now, rightly, because, you know, they are as nice and you do get a lot more freedom. But yeah. is that changing now a little bit? This question has got two possible answers, really. And I always break it down. One, it's not because 90% of global Scotch sales are blends, realistically. Mm-hmm. So we want to put that in the most layman's terms possible. Blends are popular. You know, there is a lot of love for blends. And I won't be sat here chatting to you guys today if it wasn't for blended Scotch whiskey, because... I would not have a job so in the in the long and short. But uh, the other thing is, yeah, there is still a stigma to it. And I think you start to see this emergence again, um, largely after prohibition of single malt coming in and being available again, this sort of luxury, you know, after the war as well. Another big thing, things are not available um, straight away. Immediately got this uh, access again to, you know, some of this, it's a better time, war is over, you know, this access to single malt whiskey being associated with, you know, this sort of... Uh, you know, this higher status, this good time, this sort of regal sort of note, if you will. Um, but today, when we look at it, single malt whiskey is still seen as this. It's still very much seen as this, you know, pioneering way to be. You're not anybody if you're not drinking a single malt. Mm-hmm. And it comes from that thing that I don't necessarily agree with. You can't possibly water down a single malt. You can't possibly add ice to a single malt. My opinion, guys, you drink whiskey the way you like it, and that's the best way to drink it, mm-hmm. long, long and short of it. Um, but I feel what people have with blends is there's this thought that all you're basically doing is taking, you know, single malt that isn't uh, desirable. Uh, you're putting it into the blend and you're just packing it out with what we're going to call grain whiskey and then put slapping a label on it and just shipping it out. People really don't understand this fact that it's so lucrative. If, if I give you a Shivers 12, for example, it says 12 on the label. And we know as people who love whiskey, that's got to be at least 12 years old in the bottle. People don't, always understand that the grain has to be 12 years old as well. So the thought process that goes into that is astounding. Do you know what I mean? And when we look at some of the whiskies we'll taste today as well, we're not just blending and then finishing a certain way. We're actually changing the blend every single time. If we're going to do it for 15 years instead of 12, we want the blend to, you know, justify that. If we're going to finish in um, uh, Grand Cru Champagne Cognac cask, we want the blend to be able to hold up against it. So there is an understanding there and it is a lucrative aspect of blending. Now, what I think people are starting to do is really understand that and are more approachable to that conversation. A lot of people's first experience with scotch might have been that bottle of, you know, unmarked blended scotch whiskey that was back of the cupboard. They shouldn't have been touching. And that might have been the first going, nah, I don't like scotch. That's me. Game over. I'm never trying it again. So I don't like that. And they've gone on to, all right, I like maybe like single malts, but I definitely don't like blends because of that. When you get it in front of people and they really sort of get to grips with it, and they taste it and understand it, and you explain what's gone into that, then it really comes out and the penny drops. And not everyone likes the same things, not by any measure, but I guarantee you there is a blended Scotch whiskey out there for absolutely everybody who likes Scotch whiskey. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of being one of the people that, when we started this, assumed that blends were inferior. Uh, I make, make no bones about that. I, I did think that. I was... Because, I don't know, if, it's, if I don't think it's a marketing thing or what, I just... There was something there that made me think they were inferior or bad experiences, as you say, from, from bad experiences at student parties where, you know, you whack a can of Coke in it and that was well, it. You I, know. I, I, it's probably because some, there are cheap blends, aren't there? The cheap, nasty blends that you can pick up. And when you're a student or when you're, you're, you're trying to be 
grown up and have drink for the first time, that's what you can get your hands on. And it's it's that lingers, oh, that's scotch, that's blended scotch. Well, no, you, you know, when you have a, a cheap knockoff version of Coke, it's not Coke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Pepsi is never okay, as Nick always <laughs> says. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't, give me start, don't give me start on that one, boys. <laughs> um, I'll, tell, I'll tell you something, right? So I, I, I run into this a lot, and I'm sure you can imagine, like, you know, we, we deal with a variety of, you know, different, um, you know, different consumers, different customers. And I think every opinion is valid. Do you know what I mean? I think you should have as many answers to things as you can do. You can't always answer everything, but if you can provide some sort of answer or direction, that's great. But the minute I remember once I explained to somebody the fact that you understand that, you know, your single malt is a blend of whiskeys as well, right? And they go, what? It's like, yeah, don't all come from one cask, mate. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. it just so happens it's from the same distillery. It's all malt whiskey, but it's all from the same distillery, but it's different casks, it's different ages, different finishes. It's yeah. taking those different elements putting it together into your single malt, your Glenlivet 12, for example, you know, break that down, different malts, different distilleries, maybe bringing grain whiskey as well, which is, like I said before, I think is quite lucrative in itself. You've got a blend. Yeah. And the minute that penny drops with people sometimes, and it's not to be condescending, it's not to be like, oh, I get it, you don't. It's nothing like that. I want people to understand that I want people to not make, um, you know, just want to help them out. In, in the right way, do you know what I mean? Sort of guide them a little bit if I can do. Let them make their own decision in the end because, you know, it's, it's their drink. But if I can sort of help them out and sort of, you know, paint the picture a bit more for them, then it's good days. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. I've always said that, that the word single in single malt is a bit misleading. Uh, and, and I think that's a, it's a, one of the, gen- whoever decided that was what it was going to be called, was that was a genius bit of marketing ploy or whatever the words are. It, it definitely throws people off the scent. It's not a single cask. It's not come from one source at all. It, you know, it's come from one distillery. That can be a variety of things. And it's made the term single pot still. Irish whiskey, very confusing for a lot of people as well. Yeah, it, it's, it's that penny drop moment, though, isn't it? When you find yeah. the single pot, single pot is just the same as single malt. You're like, what? <laughs> you just realise, obviously, some of it's malted barley, some of it's unmalted barley, and you move on yeah. from it. And the pot part is just to differentiate it from the column steel stuff that was being done in Scotland. That was it. Absolutely. It was just a marketing thing. Absolutely. There we go. You're listening to Whiskey and Things. Anyway, shall we uh, have a chat about this week's whiskey then? I think that's the correct time to do that. Yes. Okay. This week's whiskey. We have a Chivas Regal XV, which means 15-year-old apparently. Um (laughs) In in Nomen Rumorals, everyone. (laughs) Nomen (laughs) Rumorals. I know him. (laughs) Nomen Rumorals. He's an extra on Curry, isn't he? Nomen Rumorals. How is it, boys? How's it going down? I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's very nice. Very nice. I'm enjoying it. So, age 15 years, 40% ABV. But uh, what else we got in store here? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we said before we got that three extra years on the 12, for example. But remember that bit I said before that, you know, we will change the blend to accommodate that next age. So we'll get a bit more of a, we'll get a bit more of a different makeup here. Maybe some more single malts, that bit more robustness coming through. Now, obviously, the blend is always going to change every single time. You know, the blend's never going to be quite the same, regardless of it being the same, uh, same product. XV one time will be a different blend, but it'll always taste the same. That's down to our uh, blending scene. But here, what we've got here is this really beautiful select finishing as well. So we've done, we've done that 15 years, and we've actually chosen to finish this in Grand Cru Champagne Cognac casks. 
And the reason for this is, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, the heart of shivers, we've got Strathyla, which is, our, which is our, you know, we call it the heart. It's where we get a lot of our single malt from for the blends. Great distillery as well. You know, 1786, one of the oldest, the oldest distillery as well. Um, but it really brings through this wonderful thing when you actually get that finished in. So what you should be getting, actually, you know what? I, I'm not in the habit of telling people what they should be tasting, guys. You talk to me first. What are you getting? I'm getting pineapple. Pineapple coming through. Great. Citrusy on the nose. Identify that. Is that a, is that a bright citrus? A bit more of a darker type of citrus? No, it's quite sharp. Maybe lemon zest, kind of squeezing the old juice into your eye when you're cooking. Nice. <laughs> but, a ple- but a pleasant, you know, experience. <laughs> that was pleasant. What I'm saying it. is, it's very like, yeah, there it is for me. Yeah. How about sort of, um, not to guide on, but sort of let's, let's think about like an orchard. Let's think about like a, you know, sort of stringing fruits like that. A bit of plum. Plum. Oh. Stone fruits. Oh, Nick. Yeah. Apricots. Definitely getting mm. some apricots as well. Yes. I, you have guided that, but you're as soon as you said it, it's there. Which often often is the way. But yeah, I do like fruitier whiskies. So that's uh that that's probably why I'm enjoying this. I'm more yeah. of a I'm more of a fruity man than a smoky man. Well, this would be right up your street, Dave, honestly, yeah. because you've got that, you know, like I said before, that big inherent, you know, knocking on the door, that big sort of celebration of space side in here as well. Those stone fruits, those apricots, those plums, great notes, guys, yeah. as well. Peach as and well, I'm getting now on the, on the finish. Yeah. It just sort of unlocks every time. Yeah. For me, what's really interesting about this one is apple. Now, we talk a lot about apple when we talk about uh, Shivers Regal. We talk a lot about it in, uh, in Strathyla as well. But what's happened here is those sort of green, crisp apples have sort of become red apples and they've become stewed. So for me, this is stewed red apples all the way through. If you've got some water as well, guys, just unlock it, you know, let it, you know, sort of let some of those flavours get to. So are you finishing at the end of the process? Are you putting everything into a vat and then finishing it? Or is it only a certain um, quantity or a few barrels which are finished and then you blend it together? Yeah, exactly. So a, a portion of the whiskey will be finished in those uh, cognac casts and brought through to the final to the final products for each batch. All right, with water, that's really special. So glad you say this because, like, sometimes when I say this, add water, people go, "No, no, I'm not going to do it." Just oh, try it. There's a real sweetness when you add the water. Like the, the apple notes really pop through. It sings, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm actually using my Shivers pipette as well to uh, Ooh, from the blending from, set to do the uh, nice. water in. Yeah, very handy. Oh, the amount of those kits I've gone through uh, over Christmas when we first started doing this new virtual uh, advocacy thing. It's creamier. It comes yeah. well. It's a bit sl- slightly lighter. And yeah, it is a creamier mouthfeel. I've nearly run out annoyingly. I can only put a little bit of water in there. See, this is what it's all about breaking it down with a little bit of water and just seeing what it does. And, you know, we try and advocate this as much as possible when we talk about blended Scotch whiskey, because you really start to see what's happening and what those different elements are, because we've got our malts in there. We know we've got a lot of space side in there. We know we've got some Highlands. Uh, we know we've got them from across Scotland. Of course, we can chop and change with other, uh, other companies. It's just what happens. We wouldn't have an industry if we didn't do that. Um, but for me, it's identifying that grain whiskey. So that little bit of sort of, lemongrassy that sharpness that you guys were indicating mm. before for me it's a little bit of that grain whiskey still singing 15 years we don't want to lose that though do you know what I mean I would you know when we get this grain we're predominantly letting it happen to age in like four fill American casks we don't want much influence on it but we want that bright fresh like that zestiness and that sort of bubble gum like sort of marshmallow notes starting to come through and just holding the whiskey 
together and just, you know, if you want to make up the malts being the bones and the structure, you know, that grain is the body all around it. And that's just holding everything nice and compact on the palate. So that creaminess you were saying before, Dave, uh, that is what that is as well. And it still sings really well in the 15 for me. So do you, do you think that a blended whiskey works better with water than a single malt? I mean, or is, again, or is it that the grain whiskey responds better to the water? So is that more of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think that sort of that creaminess, that sort of body really does come to life. And it's that grain, it's that grain whiskey that's, grain that's, that's doing it. Exactly that with the water. Don't be wrong, there'll be elements of those malts doing it as well. Uh, yeah. And again, there's no struck science on this whatsoever. But for me, what I think you allow is once you sort of allow those more sort of volatile esters just to drop down a little bit when you put that water in, you let that grain whiskey really come and sing and just hold all those malts together. And I think you like, get a lot of that finishing on there as well. Um, it's, it's just, it's just exciting to me guys, because, you know, we're here chatting about this and we're breaking it down. Like we would do a single malt and don't get me wrong. Single malts are amazing, but I feel this conversation we're having about a blend should be the exact same that we have about a single malt. Yeah. Mm. Just, just that process, David, when you're talking about an aged blend, mm-hmm. are they aged whiskies that are blended together or are you blending the whiskies together when they're young and then aging them? Yeah, we'll get we'll get them in. We'll we'll figure out what we want out of it. We'll bring in other whiskies from other distilleries. We won't have it aged. We'll bring right. those in. We'll get that blend together because we know what we want it we, we want out of it, and that is when we get it. Now, will we edit it? Will we blend it slightly differently with other casks depending what we want out of it? Absolutely. But again, it comes down to that blending scene that we've got. Um, so, like these whiskies, I think for example, pulling the number off the top of my head, I think Shivers eighteen gets tested, gets checked about a thousand times in its lifetime, something like that. Because, you know, you are taking a gamble straight away, putting mm. a lot of these in. Um, but it's the tenacity to make sure that it's going to be right. It's a tried and tested thing. So we know we can, we know we can make them happen. So you're blending new make and then aging it. We're getting them in. We're getting that bit of age into that new make. And then we are blending as well and letting that finish happen. Yeah. That's mad. So a little bit of both. A little bit of both, yeah. Nice. You know, it's, it's one of them things where... You know, I always laugh sometimes because we chat about, you know, what's happening with some of these, uh, some of these whiskies in different distilleries and different uh, warehouses across our estate. There's some that are just obviously waiting to go into a blend. There are some that are bits and pieces that are being tried out for something else. Mm. And you might get this works with this, so we'll age this and we'll bring it into this later on. Or if that don't work, we've got this going on. It's so amazing. Honestly, like we think there's 26 million casks aged at the moment uh, in Scotland. I, 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 I wonder how many of them are ours. You know, I'd love to know. That's a lot That's of whiskey. It's a lot oh, of whiskey, right? That is a lot of whiskey. Right before before we uh, before we wrap this up, we're, obviously we're gonna we're, we're gonna record another bit for for an episode in a couple of weeks, a part two, where we've got we're gonna try some of these old whiskeys. But before to be before we finish this up, I just want to ask the question, Perno Ricard. How many times do you get the Star Trek jokes? Because I do it almost almost every time I see Perno Ricard, I think uh, of John Luke Picard, and I know I know they're completely different, but I can't see it and not think it. <laughs> I'm not even that big of a Star Trek fan, but I see it and I hear it all the time. Do you have it? Am I the only one? Or does has it, it head off this band that joke? Yeah, <laughs> I think that might just be you, man. But what I will say is. I've- <laughs> I, what I will say is, right, I joined the company two years ago. I've not heard one single Star Trek reference since I joined. So maybe it's before my time that this, uh, this actually happens. So mm. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, mm. every, time I, every time I see it, I'm like, mm, Star Trek. Yeah, I think P- we I did can the Patrick, joke. Yeah, just Patrick yeah. Stewart 
every time I just see him, just see him looking there. I just want to see him on on the uh, on the whole of the Enterprise, just turn to the camera with a Glen Karen and be like, "It's Perno Ricard time." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'm gonna advocate for that's what happened. That's fine. Yeah, it's got to be marketing budget for that. It's gonna be. There's gonna be like a, a, a big, a big plug for all the ambassadors to get their brand in that glass, right? Just yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you can get Bill Murray doing it for uh, Suntory, yeah. we can get Patrick Stewart doing it for for Shivers for sure. For Shivers, God, how much would that cost? <laughs> it's quite, it's quite a nice guy actually. I imagine you'd, uh, I imagine you'd probably do it for a bottle. I yeah, prob- probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think he would as well. Yeah, <laughs> we'll sort, we'll sort him out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's a blending kit. Yeah, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick, if you're listening, man, just give me a shout. We'll, yeah. we'll sort it out. <laughs> you're listening to Whiskey and Things. And of course, you can watch the full uncut video with David on our Patreon page, which right now also includes what we are you're going to see in a couple of weeks, uh, which mm. is which is fun. So it's the the full nearly hour and a half of chat and whiskey fun. Um, so that's over on our Patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things. Yes, um, you want to find out more about Shivas Brothers or Regal. Well, both really. Um, yeah, head over to www.shivas.com um, and their various social media accounts um, will be in the description. They're all more or less Shivas Regal or Shivas Regal UK. Um, if you want to follow David on Instagram, he's at Whiskey by the Glass as well. And uh, while we're just, we really appreciate anyone who helps support the show. Our patrons in particular are wonderful. Uh, Nick tries every week, if if it's on sale, to post a, a, an affiliate link to the Whiskey Exchange. And he puts it in the show notes every week. And anyone who buys a bottle of that helps us out big time. Um, so anytime you click on that link and buy any whiskey, you're helping us out. So mm-hmm. uh, if, you can, if, if you're someone who likes buying whiskey, please consider using our affiliate link because uh, it does help us out. It means we can do more of this. It does. Thank you. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, the XV, that's what was in this episode. And uh, it's a lovely little chat. It's a nice little whiskey, that. Really nice. And uh, if you listen in a couple of weeks as well, there's some other really exciting whiskeys they're putting out. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Some great banter in the next show as well. So yeah, listen again. Listen again. Please, China, come China. back to us. Danny won't be back for ages. You know, it'll be another year, another year and a half before we have him on. I love you, Danny. I love you. David I doesn't. D- David doesn't. I, I hope you put one of his laughs in the edit behind us talking about him ruining it. Just oh. Danny's laugh in the background. <laughs> As if it's like an evil Danny laugh. That would be well, quite amusing. It would be quite amusing. Right. Um, I would say the angels have had their share, Dave. And so have you. Cheers. Thanks Thanks for for coming. Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.